Good morning. Let's get straight to markets. Take a look at the impact for the indices. Factual. Succinct. All you need to know before your trading day starts. Subscribe to our newsletter, CNBC's Daily Open. Beyond the Valley. Hello and welcome to another episode of CNBC's Beyond the Valley. I'm excited. I'm excited because we're going to be talking about video games and gaming, one of my favorite pastimes. But I'm also excited because I'm being joined by Ryan Brown, a CNBC tech reporter based in London. We used to work closely back when I was in the London office for CNBC, and Ryan is hugely knowledgeable about the gaming industry. How's it going, Ryan? I'm good, thanks, Sergeant. How about yourself? All good here, yeah. I'm uh, over in China and uh, we're getting ready, actually, as we're recording this for CNBC's annual East Tech West event. Uh, lots more of coverage will come about that and you can certainly check that out online. But let's get back to the topic of gaming. Let me just set the scene here for a moment because sometimes when we talk about games, there is a sense of trivializing it as an industry. But in fact, it is huge. This year, the global games market will generate revenues of 159.3 billion US dollars, according to New Zoo, a market research firm. Now, just for some context here, the global entertainment market, consisting of theatrical and home entertainment, surpassed $100 billion in revenue in 2019, according to the Motion Picture Association. So the games industry is, in fact, much bigger. Now, for gaming, while the US is a big driver of revenue, China and the broader Asia-Pacific region is also significant. And growth is expected to come from Asia-Pacific and Latin America going forward. It's a truly global industry. But on this episode, Ryan and I are going to be focusing on console gaming because Sony and Microsoft, two of the biggest console makers in the world, have released their next generation consoles that will define their success in gaming over the coming few years. But also because it's one of the oldest parts of the gaming industry. You know, there was a console called the Magnavox Odyssey, which is widely credited as being the first console to be released ever. Ryan, want to take a guess when that came out? <laughs> Not the faintest. Uh, 80s? Uh, not far off, I guess, in 1972. Uh, in 1972, and now we are 48 years on, and so much has changed. Not just the obvious things, though, like performance, graphics, and games, of course, but business models are fundamentally shifting and changing. And the way the gaming giants in the world are thinking about that is fascinating. We'll be hearing from Microsoft during the course of this podcast. But first, Ryan, lay out for us the console landscape right now in terms of what Sony, Microsoft, and, of course, Nintendo have on offer. Totally, Arjun. So yeah, we're, we're entering a new console generation here. So the, the last one from Microsoft and Sony, you know, as you remember, came back in 2013. And now fast forward seven years, they're, they're back at it again with, with two new machines here. So Microsoft is, is betting on two different versions of its new Xbox console. It's got the Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S coming out. Now, the Xbox Series X is, I think, $500, and, and the S is something in the range of $300. So, you know, pretty aggressive price point there. Then Sony is is also coming at, at this market, again, with, with two devices. Um, it's got the PS5, uh, you know, a physical version that you can uh, put a disc in and, and, you know, install your games from the disc. Then it's got a discless version as well, which is about $100 cheaper. So both of these guys, you know, betting on, on two different devices coming at, at, at launch. But... The big thing for, for both of these companies is, you know, what they have on offer. And what I've heard a lot of so far is that 
a lot of people are looking at the the PlayStation 5 as that machine that comes with all these you know exclusive titles that they've come to know know sony for um over the past seven years and so they're going back to that uh, again as kind of you know loyal fans and as you remember the, the ps4 i mean pretty much it did beat the xbox uh, in the last console generation and i think the expectations right now are for something similar to happen this time but with microsoft it's really interesting what they're doing because they're not just betting on this new machine, the, you know, but both of the, X, the Xbox Series X and the Xbox Series S, they're also betting really heavily on these sort of subscription models. So you'll have seen with the way that they are selling these consoles, there is a, you know, a sort of uh, a buy now, pay later monthly subscription type offering where you could, you know, buy these consoles, but, you know, pay them over monthly installments over two years. And that comes, you know, equipped with Game Pass, which is their sort of big subscription offering where you can access a library of games um, so that they're, they're betting really heavily on, on that sort of subscription model. I mean, what's uh, what's interesting is that you mentioned some, some pretty key points there, um, you know, things like subscription gaming and uh, some of these new models. And, you know, I've owned a console then ever since the, the first PlayStation. So much has changed in terms of the console and the games and how companies look to monetize that. And one thing that has uh, seen big growth is the subscription models you're talking about. Ryan, what are they? How do they work? And why have they become so popular? Yeah, no, you're definitely right. So, I mean, every, I mean, many, many gamers will, will have, you know, a subscription. If they are in this sort of console industry, you know, if, if they're with PlayStation, then they, they're likely to have PS Plus, which is, you know, the only way you can access, you know, online gaming. And that, that subscription also gives, you know, PlayStation 4 owners and, and obviously PS5 owners when, when they get those, they'll have, you know, an access to, I think it's two free titles every month. And I think PlayStation is aggressively, you know, investing pretty heavily into that as, as well. So, I mean, but, but Microsoft is doing something similar, um, you know, looking at subscriptions as a way to basically keep gamers within its sort of ecosystem. You know, and that, that's what a lot of these players are doing right now. They're, they're looking at an ecosystem of different devices that they can try to, you know, get gamers in, involved in in their in their content libraries with, with these new subscriptions. So what Microsoft is doing is is interesting with Game Pass. So Game Pass is, you know, Microsoft's sort of flagship subscription uh, offering. And, and that basically, I think it's like $15 a month and that gives you an access to over a, a hundred titles. Um, right right off the bat so and what they're doing there as well is they've got this you know cloud gaming uh, offering as well as part of that so you could you know launch a game from your your android smartphone and that's hosted on on microsoft servers you don't need to have a, a console or a, a really you know powerful pc to sort of access those games anymore and just a quick note on nintendo as well because nintendo definitely hasn't missed out on this subscription um game either i mean they've They've got Nintendo uh, Switch Online and that, you know, again, is that way that players can get access to online gaming. And they, you know, it's it's sort of that that sort of offering that Nintendo's looking at again to kind of keep players in within its ecosystem, you know, and, and to sort of keep promoting it, its original IP and, and its original titles as well. 
Well, I think that's a good intro to where we're at now, and certainly we'll, we'll dig a bit deeper into some of those things you mentioned there, Ryan, like cloud gaming. But in all of this, what's quite interesting, we're talking about all these new models, these subscription models. Consoles are right at the heart as well. And just to dig into that a bit more, we had a chance to catch up with Daniel Ahmed, a UK-based senior analyst at Nico Partners. They're a market research and consultancy firm with expertise in the global games industry. We talked about the changing role of the console. In, in terms of console, I think some of the big changes we've seen is that these have become really dedicated gaming platforms that have you know, reached a sort of a mass market um, beyond where you know, arcades sort of did back in the 80s, I guess, now. And so we're at a point where if you look at, for example, the PR coming out of Sony and Microsoft today, these are you know, record-setting uh, device, devices in terms of sales. And... Consoles are essentially as popular as you know they they ever are they ever have been. I mean, obviously, you know, given the progress of, of consoles, I mean, we're now going into a, a new generation, and like Arjun mentioned, they've they've got the sort of bump in quality from the previous generation from 2013. But I mean, a lot's changed over the years, hasn't it? I mean, even from 2013, and even in the last you know couple of years, we've seen the rise of. Mobile gaming, obviously, is is one thing that's been quite popular, but also, you know, cross-play and, and multi-platform, these are things that, that are now, obviously, becoming much more popular. Just give us, uh, you know, your thoughts then on kind of where the, the console now is, is fitting into to that kind of much more broader array of, of different ways people have to, to play video games. I think when people talk about gaming today, they're very much talking about the huge growth of mobile gaming over the past five, ten years. They're talking about the growth of free-to-play, especially in the mobile and PC space. And I think console has kind of taken a back seat um, in that discussion of, of sort of gaming growth. But it is important to remember that console is still a, you know, almost $40 billion market uh, globally. And it has some of the most dedicated gamers and players um, in that market that are essentially spending more now than they ever were before, especially as the console market matures. And then when you look at sort of the profit margins that Sony have, that Nintendo have, Microsoft as well, um, you know, these are hugely profitable ventures now for these companies when maybe 15, 20 years ago, it was a bit more difficult to really have, have a profit in the console space. But we're now moving, moving to a point where hardware is profitable, software, is, of course, has always been profitable, and network services are playing a much larger role in keeping people in the console gaming ecosystems and growing uh, profit margins there as well. Yeah, and that just just to sort of tackle that that question of, of ecosystem, um, be be happy to get, you know, a bit bit more from you on, on that particular point because we're seeing, you know, I mean I, I spoke with Microsoft and they're talking about ecosystems. Sony obviously also talking about that. So we're obviously not just talking about the hardware element here. We we've got these cloud gaming and, and subscription services that, that are coming out. What, what does that mean then, you know, again, for, for those, those console makers, but, but also, you know, when, when we're looking into the future, what does that mean for, for the future of the way these businesses are, are making money then? So digital as a whole has really sort of redefined what, what console is, because it used to be, if you go maybe 10, 15 years back, the only way to buy a game uh, was to buy it in a retail store. You're paying $60 for the game. The publisher um, only gets around $35 of that. Um, so, it, so it's not much, really. Um, and 
now with digital game distribution, you know, margins are extremely high. Uh, uh, margins are much higher. We're talking, you know, maybe $42, maybe $45 on a $60 game. If you're a first party like Sony, your profit margin is 95% on digital game distribution because you're not paying anything to GameStop, for example. And so digital has really enabled um, not just full game downloads and digital games to grow, but add-on content, microtransactions, free-to-play games to be distributed through this way. And then in addition to that, we're now seeing this huge growth in sub- subscription services, uh, whether it's for online play or other value-added services. Console gamers are seeing the value in those subscription services, whether it's to access games or online play or, or you know whatever it is. And I think one thing that's, that's really interesting to note is that if you look at, for example, Sony and Nintendo, you know, more than 40% of the user base on those on those platforms now have a subscription, um, you know, tied to their accounts. And that is a really high attach rate for an industry, uh, you know, like the console gaming industry. And you don't really see that sort of attach rate in any other sort of uh, market, really. And we'll get right back to the conversation after this short message. Ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway. The best advice I can give someone starting off a career is don't have a career, have lots of careers, try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey. CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does living ambitiously mean to you? Hear from our CNBC anchors, reporters and global business leaders on CNBC.com. Ryan, one big thing the games industry is talking about right now is cloud gaming. As you previously mentioned, this is relatively new and still has some way to go. But how does it work and what are the major console makers doing with it? Totally. So cloud gaming, I mean, just to put it really simply, it's just, you know, the ability to uh, jump into a game. I mean, whether you're on your your Android smartphone or even if you're just your, your, your normal PC, and that game, you know, it's being streamed to you in, in real time and that's being hosted on one of the company's, you know, servers on their data centers somewhere. Um, and it's it's a similar idea to, you know, Netflix, the way you will access that, those TV and, and, and movies, um, it, it's just being delivered to you over, over the internet. But but the, the, the interesting thing about cloud gaming, I find, is that, you know, it is that increasingly that way for players like Microsoft, you know, one of the things that they were talking to to, to me about recently was that they are using cloud gaming as a way to sort of increase the the, the number of users that they have, but not just on, on one machine. So, you know, they're not just uh, concerned about getting people to buy the, the Xbox Series X or, or Xbox Series S. They also want people to you know, be, be using their um, software on, on other devices. So, you know, obviously Windows PCs and, and of course Android devices as well. But there, there are also a number of different players now getting involved in, in this battleground. And you, you'll have seen, you know, the, the big tech companies like Google and, and Amazon. And I mean, even NVIDIA now really trying to, you know, take a piece of this this pie so to speak and and be be much more active um, in that sort of cloud gaming space so presumably this is another way to drive revenue but also keep players sticky sort of in inside their respective ecosystems right yeah that's right so i i had the chance to catch up with uh, sarah bond she's the corporate vice president of, of gaming ecosystem at, at microsoft and one of the interesting things that she was talking about was exactly that you know 
keeping these these players within the sort of entire Microsoft ecosystem and, and not just the, you know with the with the consoles. Let's hear what she had to say about that. Yeah, you know we we think of the console as something that is going to always be part of gaming, you know, because what it does really is it effectively gives someone the flagship experience. If you want a game on a 65 inch OLED sync, you know, you want, you want to sync on the couch and have that experience. The console is the way to go. And the Xbox series X is going to deliver just power and performance around that. Unlike uh, we've ever seen before. And so we see that as a very core flagship TV based experience. But the other thing we've seen, and, and th there really has been a rise in this um, over the last 10 years, is people wanting to game across devices, right? People gaming on PC, people are gaming on mobile, uh, games that actually span across devices. And so the console plays that role as part of an ecosystem where people can actually game anywhere. And the other thing that's happening at the same time is, you know, the world's changing. Um, we have 3 billion gamers in the world. And in the course of a generation, you know, the 200 million consoles will probably sell, right? And for those other gamers, um, now with the way that the, with, you know, Twitch and YouTube, they understand and they want to play, not just gamers that have, games that have been like traditionally native to mobile, but games of all types. And so really unlocking an experience for them where they can access and play those games and also enabling gamers who might start on the console to pick up and play somewhere else or connect with someone who's playing on another device. That is like a core need that we see. And so we've built our ecosystem to incorporate all of those things while also always having the console as the flagship TV experience that you can have as a gamer. Totally. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned, you know, sort of platforms like Twitch uh, and, and YouTube, obviously. I mean, that's become you know, a pretty in increasing category in kind of how people generally consume gaming content. It's obviously been a very, you know, um, a surging trend, uh, especially this year as more people have been at home. But just talk me through a bit more about how that does come into Microsoft's thinking then, you know, that that rise in, in people, not necessarily always playing games, but, but watching people play games as well. You know, when we think about it, it's just, it's completely changed the relevance of these brands. And, and we know that people actually oftentimes do want to play the games. Like, I'll, like last year, I think, I guess it was last May, Phil and I went on a trip to Africa, right? And when you talk to people there, you know, you're in Nigeria, um, it's the most populous country um, in Africa, and they know about all of these games. They watch Twitch and YouTube, but the ability to play over the cloud, the ability to play over their phone, that's something that hadn't been available to them, right? On some of these big franchises. And that's one of the reasons why we've really leaned into xCloud and cloud native gaming is the ability to seamlessly go from an, ex, you know, to go to an experience where you're watching a game and to be able to on the same device actually go into playing that game. That's something we know that people want. And so that's how we've thought about it is like, how do we bring access to that same, you know, the watch experience can actually lead to a play experience all on the same device. Yeah, and and this this cloud gaming piece, it's something that you know we, we are finding quite interesting at CNBC because it is you know that beyond the the console idea, beyond any kind of dedicated hardware really. I mean that the thought that you could just play a game on on your phone and it's run on somebody else's um, servers is obviously quite a fascinating trend. But 
you know, in in terms of that uh, part of the puzzle, I mean, we're, we're seeing a lot of big tech companies now, you know, just to name a few names like Google and, and now Amazon, obviously, you know, looking to launch their own uh, respective cloud gaming services. How do you sort of look at that trend where you've got these, you know, non-gaming players or at least not traditionally gaming players kind of getting into this space now? They've got a lot of money to you know, sort of uh, put put into to this uh, this this new kind of nascent space. How is Microsoft staying, you know, on its toes and, and responding to that threat? Yeah, you know, it's first of all, I love that trend uh, because it 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 shows that gaming is compelling. There's huge demand. It's extremely relevant. I mean, it's the media form of the future, right? When you see um, all of the major tech companies diving in. There's absolutely no question of that. So I love that trend, you know, but we, we've, we've been looking at this for a long time. I mean, we've started our work in this area years ago. And when we started to think through this, he said, when you look to the future of what's going to happen to gaming, there's going to be three assets that you need to succeed. You're going to need content because in the end, people are playing games, right? You're going to need a community because gaming is something that you do with other people. It's a way that you connect. I mean, many people have a gaming identity that they keep. You have a gaming history, you have your library, and you're gonna need a cloud because the cloud is what's gonna enable you to actually render those experiences on any device, regardless of the local compute of that device. You need all three assets. And that was something that we, as Microsoft and Xbox have uniquely. Right. And so I, I like to see Google coming in. I like to see AWS coming in, but they're compiling those assets. You know, AWS is going from a, from a uh, from a cloud perspective, doesn't have the community, doesn't have the content. Right. Um, Google, um, number three in cloud, also coming in that perspective, but also working to build those things. But what we really have within Xbox is the unique combination of all three. And one of the ways I think that that showed up most clearly is actually in our launch with xCloud, launching xCloud into Game Pass and the library and the cont continuity of experience that we're actually able to bring with that. When you read the reviews, people are like, this is amazing. I, you know, I started on my console, I can play this on my phone. Uh, the catalog is unlike any other service and it's because we're actually bringing all of those things together at once and building on our strengths to deliver something that really leans into the future of gaming. Obviously, you know, that that concept is, is really interesting how you can, you know, sort of be on the go with your smartphone or, or you know, any sort of device that you could use to plug in and, and play effectively there. But I mean, cloud gaming, obviously, it's, it's still quite a, a new and, and recent technology that, that's come to the fore. And I guess one thing that people will be asking over the next few years is how that becomes mainstream and how we get some you know, mainstream adoption of, of that that form of, of play. Obviously, um, the, you know, there, there are a few issues in the space right now. I mean, Microsoft knows too well the, the issue around Apple, for instance, you know, uh, some of its policies around its app store have, have made it, you know, uh, a bit less um, easy or, or, you know, sort of, um, yeah, just, just sort of possible for, for these companies to roll out their, their cloud gaming services. I just want to ask you, you know, how do you think challenges like this, do you, do you think that that will be something that, that could, you know, be a potential hurdle to the development of those those services over the next few years? You know, one thing I know is that um, over and over again, when players and, and consumers really, really desire an experience, that will come to be, right? It might not be the most linear path, 
but it, it always happens in the end, right? And um, and we're committed to that. I mean, that's why we we really are. We think about putting the player at the center. Um, and we're incredibly proud to have launched on Android. Um, that's billion of devices around the world. But we're also on track um, to make cloud gaming available on iOS and PCs beginning next year. And so there is a path to meeting those players where, where they want to play. And what was interesting about your chat there with Sarah from uh, Microsoft is that it's about the fact that Microsoft is discussing how to bring its games to Apple's iOS and Google Android operating systems as well. Now, we've seen other companies like Sony and Microsoft push their content across platforms recently. What is the reason for that? Is this all about keeping people, again, locked into the content regardless of the platform? Yeah, I'd say yes and no. I mean, so in, in Sony's case, you know, one of the things that we've seen out of them is they do care really deeply about these consoles because the things that players come back to Sony's consoles for is those exclusive games, you know, like and the big franchises like God of War, The Last of Us, you know, these are these are multi-million, uh, you know, franchises that that keep players coming back to, to Sony's machines. And so I think one of the things that they care really deeply about is that that original content that, that they're offering to players. Um, now, with Microsoft, though, I would say that that is the case, that they are, you know, a bit more perhaps platform agnostic. Of course, they care about the consoles, but they are increasingly, you know, trying to get players to to go across platform, um, whether it's on, you know, a Windows PC or, or Android. But this whole idea of, of cross-platform gaming is something that we're going to see a lot more of because, you know, I mean, one of the big hits this year uh, was uh, Among Us, and, and you'll know, Arjun, I, I've told you about that game. It's, you know, really uh, fun sort of social deduction game, I guess a bit similar in style to something like Cluedo, maybe. But one of the things that they've done really well is, you know, having the option to play that game uh, across mobile or PC. So if you're playing with your friends and one of you is on your, your mobile device and the other is on the PC, that's fine. You can you can still play that. And I think that is something that we're going to see a bit more of out of these players. It's not just about what console or, or what device that you're on anymore. We're going to see a bit more of that, that cross-platform style of play over the next few years. Yeah, really interesting. And speaking of content, we've seen Sony and Microsoft both be very aggressive in acquiring game studios uh, and other first-party platforms recently as well. Run us through a couple of the big recent deals, Ryan, and some of the thinking behind it. Absolutely. So, yeah, we saw a massive deal from Microsoft recently. I mean, an industry industry shaking one with Bethesda. They, they paid $7.5 billion in, in cash for, for that company. And they, uh, as, as we'll know, you know, are, are the sort of studio behind um, some of the biggest titles in this industry, you know, like uh, The Elder Scrolls, Skyrim or, you know, Fallout 4. You know, these are, are really big franchises that Bethesda has done quite well. And, and Microsoft was making a big play there for, for that IP. That, that That's, you know, specifically why they have, you know, bought this company to bring that IP within their ecosystem. One thing we have seen as well was the changing nature of games. I remember sort of buying, well, we used to buy one disc for the console and that was it. And then when you wanted a new game, you buy another disc. And now you buy a game and there are add-ons and in-game purchases. And that's become a key part of the business model too. Something uh, we are no doubt expecting to see continue. 
Uh, one thing we haven't spoken about yet is what the tech giants like Apple and Google are doing in gaming and future technologies like 5G, the next generation mobile networks, as well as the role of virtual reality going forward. I think we'll have to save that one for another episode. Let us know if that'd be something you'd like to listen to on Beyond the Valley. Drop me a line. I'm on Twitter at Arjun Carpal. Ryan, what's your handle? You can find me on Ryan underscore Brown underscore. And before we go, uh, Ryan, you mentioned Among Us, but what kind of games do you like uh, playing or what are you playing at the moment? Certainly, yeah, Among Us, it definitely keeps me entertained, but I, I am definitely a shooter guy and I think my, my big game of, of this year has to be uh, Doom Eternal. Interesting, interesting. I, I, I wish I could tell you what I've been playing, but unfortunately I haven't been able to play anything recently. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully that changes when uh, things calm down a bit. Uh, that's it for another episode of CNBC's Beyond the Valley. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. Beyond the Valley.